let's do a podcast. Do you have all your your notes and stuff pulled up? I've I've got, I got it. all my shit. The 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 document. Uh, all right. Y'all move. It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. This week, we are talking about Season 1, Episode... I can't it's scroll 42. Up. 42! Holy shit! Episode the, 42. It's the meaning of the life, the universe, and everything. Uh, uh, also the known heart as of the, cards. the Ties of Friendship is the actual episode title. Uh, not, not To Wrath, To Rebecca. No, I kept thinking like this really needs like a good part two name. I'm kind of sad that it's named Ties of Friendship. I think Two Rats to Rebecca might be like might just be it, right? Like I wanted to call it like the further wrath of Rebecca or Rebecca's <laughs> wrath continues. More wrath. More wrath. Uh, the wrath of Rebecca. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> no, that'd be that'd be if it were a three parter. That's true. I. Okay, real briefly, I did not realize up until, like, last month that Tokyo Drift was a flash forward. Does that make sense? Did you know this? You're giving me a face like you didn't know this. It's been a long time since okay. I've seen Tokyo Drift. Sorry, so this has nothing to do with anything, but we're talking about it. I So I wrote this long thing about Fast and Furious on my website. Uh, because Fast and Furious is a narrative that is one for one a D&D campaign. And like the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff further proves the point that I make uh, in, in that TED talk. Uh, and I didn't realize until I was going back and rewatching all of the movies, I was always confused watching uh, 456 why Han was alive. Or I guess in 5 and 6. I'm trying to remember now. For, or four the, and five. Four and five. The He's Fast five. and Furious timeline is It's a messed up, thing. is the thing. No, so so in Tokyo Drift, spoilers for Fast and Furious 3, Tokyo Drift, Han <laughs> dies. Mm-hmm. Han Last Jedi's it. They pull a Last Jedi and kill Han. Spoilers for Last Jedi. Funny you should say that. Uh, side note, do you know what Han's last name is? No. I swear to God, do you know what his name is? It's Han Seol-o, but like the city in Korea. Han Wait, Sol-o. what? Is it? How did I not know this? Han Fast, and, and Lauren just pointed out that I made a spoiler alert for the older of the two movies that I just mentioned, and yes, I did, and I'm, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Let me send you a freaking link to his Wikipedia article. Han, Han Lu is what this says. Nope. Han... Let me drop you a link in the chat. No. What? Han Solo. No fucking yes. way. I always thought it was Han Lu. <laughs> it's Han Solo because he's Korean. Oh, that's, no, that okay. Sorry. I have you you sent me the fucking Wikia article. I have Wikipedia, God's Law pulled up okay and the and the word of the lord says that it is han lu and but it does list his nickname as han Sol O, like Sol korea that is incredibly funny i love that i, I wish that was his given name that's oh, so good <laughs> uh but so okay so i'm sorry so back to my point 
Tokyo Drift, Han dies. But then the next two movies, he's back and no one ever mentions him dying. And I'm like, did I miss something? I I have watched the movies a few times now. I'm like, did I do I genuinely just fall asleep during a particular scene where they mention like, oh no, that was actually a stunt double, or like I wasn't actually in that car, it was a remote control, or we used our cars to steal reanimation technology from the US military. Which which honestly, the Hobbs and Shaw movie could a hundred that could be the plot. Honestly. It's basically That's just a superhero franchise now. Yes, so. exactly. So I didn't realize until six, which has been out for a while, but I just like hadn't gotten around to seeing it, that Tokyo Drift is a flash forward and takes place after the fourth and fifth movies. Huh. But I don't think they ever specify that at any point in Tokyo Drift. That it's like further I go ahead in watch the all these movies now. I'm saying, man, they're they're good. They're better than people give them credit for. We uh, never had a, a chance to do what we were talking about when we still lived together and do that marathon of all of them. Apparently it was like a big thing in Portland to do fast giving. Uh, there was like a, a large group of people at Squarespace that would get together and watch all of them on Thanksgiving. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was a, an event that I well I take place. Thanksgiving take is in. a day to be with your family, and what is Fast and Furious about? But family. I know that's exactly it. It's the most Thanksgiving movie franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Have a Corona and live your life a quarter mile at a time. Hell yeah! With your family. Exactly. With my family, Vin Diesel. <laughs> uh, all right. But this show isn't about Fast and Furious. This show is about Yu-Gi-Oh. More God, importantly, please, can it be about Fast and Furious? It would be a much better show. I mean, that would be that would be an interesting sort of mid-season for us if every week we did a Fast and Furious movie. Welcome to You Activated My Nitro, a Fast and Furious <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, you know that also has card games. I have no. I that have would be been, that'd well, be five. Whatever the yeah. I was gonna say wh- which one is it where they duel on motorcycles, motorcycles yeah. or whatever the hell it is. That's no. That's five Ds. Five Ds actually. I've seen a few episodes of five Ds. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> it sounds so dumb. You know, I have been wondering what we're gonna do for next season. Like, are we gonna keep doing? See the the first series. Are we gonna keep doing duel monsters, or do we want to jump around? Well, let's uh, ask the audience what they think. But personally, I'd love to get more and dig deeper into this uh, Egyptian mythological nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm up for whatever at this point. But uh, yeah, I guess we can open that up. Like, audience, if you have suggestions, like hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, email us. Honestly, I'm way better about checking email than I am about social media for some reason. Uh, so definitely email us. You activated my podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that'll be, I guess we're coming up on the end of the season. So that'll be a a discussion that we need to start having pretty, pretty quick here. Uh, but before we get into any of that, every week we like to start our episodes with giving a suggestion of what our listeners can do with their 20 minutes besides watching an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because we value your time. Even if you don't, Jimmy, tell me what your recommendation is this week. 
my recommendation this week, if you're in a position to take advantage of it, is go outside and just expose yourself to sunlight because it's been very <laughs> cold and damp here in Portland, but just this weekend it finally got up like to above 65 degrees for the first time in half a year. And walking outside and not feeling like the instant chill was like remembering a dream you had from long, long ago. It was like, what is this familiar and yet unfamiliar sensation? Uh, but it was great. I, I love feeling the sun on my skin. I'm and sure not you feeling do. the rain on your skin. Yep. Um, so I went on a, a bike ride around to uh, some food carts. And um, I realized just how much I've my body has atrophied from being uh, f- stuck in flu uh, hibernation for like three weeks. <laughs> You're alive. <laughs> I'm alive. And but I barely went like, I don't know, 10 blocks and my legs were killing me. And I was like, why? It is such a it is such a an interesting experience to be in a place i mean durham is like this and portland is like this for sure for sure where as soon as it hits like 50 degrees after a long winter everyone is out right everyone's out and about there's always that one guy that's shirtless uh here lauren just chimed in they're out anyway regardless i mean people (laughs) people here go out in the fucking snow um with yeah just just as much as people in portland um but uh yeah, it's it's such a fun experience to be like, and maybe you're getting double of this, Jimmy, because it's it's very similar to your first day being healthy after being sick for a long time. It feels like you have awoken up and can like see color in a new way. Yeah. What? No, I said up. Uh, Lauren, Lauren is is really judgy this this week. What's going on over here? Are you okay? Uh, really, I keep salty. seeing like in the corner of the screen just this head pop up. Is that Lauren crawling around on the floor like the oh, girl from the ring? No, no, no. So uh, the radiator, the radiator's over here. Uh-huh. Uh, so we put Pepper's dog bed right up next to it, and okay. so Lauren is lying down on the dog bed because. Uh, so Pepper, I mean, you can picture Pepper's size. Pepper's a miniature dachshund. He's like. 10 pounds uh we got him a dog bed that i think is supposed to be for great danes <laughs> like i've i've taken full-on naps on it before it's just fucking massive uh so we've got it here next to the radiator and so lauren the is prince lying upon down. his throne yeah exactly up on the couch and also then you can sit on the bed and lean up against the radiator so it's like another piece of furniture exactly so lauren is (laughs) so lauren is currently lying down on the dog bed with pepper uh while playing breath of the wild (laughs) and and being salty at me apparently uh no i I didn't say awoken i said i said uh and then i remembered the word woken uh yeah i i May have accidentally said awoken up. You're correct. Uh, <laughs> I love you too. Uh, what was I talking about? Uh, Tyler, what is your recommendation this week? My recommendation this week. Okay, I need to preface this by saying I have uh, every like maybe two months or so that we do this podcast, I have this like 
long dark tea time of the soul sort of experience where I'm like, man, why are we wasting our time making a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast? We need to be using our voice and our platform for like something that matters, something that helps people, something that like motivates people to action, that sort of thing. Like I really want to make an impact in this world through podcasting. Because there's a Bad lot of news, shit buddy. This podcast ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's a lot of you know shit going on in the world, and like being a, a, a citizen of two countries now, I have two countries' politics to be disappointed by. You know, in the states, I have fucking Trump and his bullshit, and then here we have we're, we're gonna go through Brexit in like two weeks, and still nobody knows what that means. Like they had a vote yesterday i think to try and figure out one aspect of it or to like change it slightly and nobody understood that vote either so it didn't go through but then after it went through the people who wanted it were like maybe that wasn't what we wanted in the first place nobody knows nobody knows what's going on so kind of kind of where i've settled in this whole thing is like i do want to keep making this Yu-Gi-Oh podcast because i really want to have a space where I can be distracted and I can help distract other people from just how horrible and ruinous the world is by giving them something like really weird and potentially kind of shitty to laugh at for an hour or so every week. And I like having this be like a, like a haven for people, uh, sort of, sort of an auditory safe space where you can laugh with us at something that's funny. But I also want to say my recommendation this week is to practice making protest signs. Because if there's one thing that I love about political activism, it's the people who are very clever and crafty with their protest signs. So my recommendation is for this week, take 20 minutes aside, get a bunch of permanent markers, get a big thing of poster board, and just make a protest. I don't care what you're protesting. You could protest anything. You could protest against something that, like, that, like, I want, right? You could protest against Yu-Gi-Oh! if you want. (laughs) But, like... Make a sign, get kind of that arts and craft juice going, and and think about how you want to be active in the political scene in, in a way that's practical for you. Sort of a That is med- very effective because all the you see photos from protests around the world that have particularly interesting or clever protest signs, and that just amplifies their message to audiences that are not like the people standing around you. You yeah, can get it exactly. out to a global audience. And it's, and it's always the funny ones that are the ones that are reposted <laughs> a lot, right? Like, mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, look at this hilarious protest sign that this, like, tiny child <laughs> is holding. Yeah. Uh, for the record, my anti-Yu-Gi-Oh protest sign is Yu-Gi-Oh needs to Yu-Gi-Go. Oh, mine Hashtag was gonna moms be, against Yu-Gi-Oh. Mine, mine was going to be more like Yu-Gi-No. <laughs> Both of these are equally terrible. <laughs> Uh, we do have some news in the Yu-Gi-Oh world before we get started as well. Uh, one thing is probably old news by the time this episode comes out, but you pointed out to me, there was an announcement about Jump Force, the fighting video game, uh, from Shonen Jump that, uh, uh, Yugi is in and they're adding a new character and that is Kaiba, Seto Kaiba. How do you feel about this? Uh, interesting choice, but I mean, he is the second most popular character mm-hmm. in uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! So, I guess he's he's like the, uh, the equivalent of a shadow fighter, or an echo fighter in Smash Brothers. Yeah, I guess so, he, right? Like, we have like, oh, he's got this character, let's add this other character who's kind of the same, but a little different. 
Right, which they've done for a lot of the characters that are already in the game. You know, like basically all of the Dragon Ball fighters are the same. They just have different skins. Uh, I haven't seen video of Kaiba in action. Have you seen any video? No, but I also haven't looked it up. And Do we they know? did just announce it. What I want to know is whether or not this means that Blue Eyes White Dragon is going to be in it. Because uh, Yugi's ultimate move, and I'm, I'm so sorry, I made the mistake of pouring myself a beer before we started recording. So I'm definitely going to spend like an hour tomorrow just editing out my fucking burps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we, we've seen video of Yugi uh, summoning Slifer the Sky Dragon as his like ultimate finishing move i wonder if that is going to be kaiba's uh uh alt move is like oh uh, uh what is it blue eyes ultimate dragon is that gonna oh, be his, well, uh, his special good news for you then tyler because i just pulled up some screenshots yeah is it good i'm i'm sent well no i think this game looks like trash oh yeah it looks like wet garbage style. that it does only look takes place like literally in wet park yeah, they've only shown one map, and it's the Golden Gate Bridge for some reason. Yeah. Oh, like, I've yeah. Been they, there. they pulled like the shittiest still of Blue Eyes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm less excited about this. I also the the other reason that I, I feel kind of like weird about this whole thing is that while I'm glad that there's more Yu-Gi-Oh characters, one of the things that was pointed out to me recently about this game is that it has like like upwards of 60 characters in it already. I want to say maybe even like 80 characters. There's a shit ton of characters. Guess how many of them are women? A very or, small or, number. Or any gender identity other than cis man. Three. <laughs> three? There are three women in this game of 60 to 80 characters. All right, jump force. And And let me tell you, None of them have small breasts. <laughs> uh, uh, who are they? I, there, there's a, one from uh, One Piece whose name I'm going to forget. Um, let me just Google it real quick just because I'm curious. Uh, there's um, uh, Sakura from Naruto, uh, I believe. And... Oh, I am gonna forget the third one. I am so sorry. Like I'm I'm the wrong person to talk about anime characters beyond uh Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> beyond Yu-Gi-Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh oh, there's a bunch of names, but I genuinely can't tell from the names. I think one of them might be a uh bleach character, I think. Um Okay. Yeah, R- Rukia? Uh, yeah, right? if can you find out uh what series they're from? I think I think I think it's a bleach character. I have a list here of names in a series that they're from. Um but yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's just kind of like it's my point is yo yeah, Rukia from Bleach is the other is the other female character in the game. Um it, it's it's just kind of interesting to me that like they put in a select few female characters and like styled them with a way that's very like male gazy which i get i mean like you know there's a reason that the dead or alive games are so popular but when you were putting that much effort into like adding new characters into these games it would be cool to see a an actual variety rather than just like paying lip service to having variety if that makes sense like yeah i i feel really weird about 
there being that thing where like you're picking up the game for the first time and you're like, sweet, I want to play as this anime character that I really identify with as like a queer person or a person of color. And then like, they're the one character not in this game that sir, not appearing in this film. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just, I don't know. I think it, I think it's cool that we see Kaiba here, but I also wish that it was like my, why can't you put my Valentine in this game? Yeah. Why can't you put Taya in this game? Have we seen Taya duel? Like, just like one time, right? Uh, yeah, against Mai. That's true. Oh, this second picture you sent me is even worse somehow. Because he kind of just looks like a dildo. <laughs> the blue eyes? Yeah, he has yeah, like I a very... I kind of see it now. He has a very phallic head at certain angles, and it like... I mean, it would not be like a popular dildo, granted, but it, it's, and it's so shiny and slippery. Everything about this game's like art style just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, it it has a texture to it that like, and maybe we even said this last time. It, everything feels like it would be those toys that are like um. It's like it's like a thing that's filled with water, and you squeeze it, and it like slips out of your hand. Oh, those little. What are those called? Tube, tube things. I yeah. know what you're talking about. And it, it like... I can't remember what they're called, though. You can, you can see it, and you know that it's, like, plastic, and you shouldn't be able to grab a hold of it, but, like, every time you try to you try to hold it, it, like, f- slips out. That's yeah. what everything in this game looks like to me. Every, the way everything is rendered just looks like, like, really high-res versions of, like, er, like early 2000s, late 90s video game renders mm-hmm. where everything... They've gotten, like, texture, but everything is still kind of shiny. Yeah, yeah, and it's like... Everything just looks wet. Right, and I get that they want to, like, show off lighting techniques and stuff, because that's a thing that we can do in video games now, but... I don't know. I want the anime characters to look like anime characters and not plastic models. Right. Which is what they look like. I will say, though, I mean, I do have some hope for, maybe this is even already out. A while back, I saw some video for an open-world One Piece game. And, like, I have watched maybe two episodes of One Piece total. But the way that they animated that game looked exactly like the cartoon. And it was just this massive, open-world, like, sprawling, Breath of the Wild-style game. And that made me legitimately excited to play an anime game. That'd be awesome. Uh, because also, that was like... Hmm. Can you imagine if we did a One Piece recap podcast? We'd be doing that until like the heat death of the universe. Holy shit, yeah. It, okay, I will I will say because like we've had a couple of fans who have reached out and like have had a knowledge of like Yu-Gi-Oh! What's that? Oh, Lauren is being fucking salty over here. She's like, oh, you have fans? <laughs> hey! Yes, we do have Lauren. fans. They're we engender a, a community right now. of like-minded individuals Thank who are passionate about an animated series that is about heart and family and belief Friendship. in yourself. And that is a very pure thing that you are mocking right now. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I've taken on the role of villain for this episode, and I have to. <laughs> Lawrence in a fucking heel turn. Go uh, sleep in your dog bed, Lauren. <laughs> Uh, so no, I, I genuinely think like every time there, there, there have been people who have reached out to us who have this like crazy knowledge of Yu-Gi-Oh, like 
I often am like, okay, this was my idea, but I know jack shit about Yu-Gi-Oh when it comes right down to it. I know very little. I know I, even less. I would love to see people start podcasts, like even Yu-Gi-Oh podcasts, that do the like hardcore history version. Oh, and they're of, like expert knowledge about yeah, all like, these characters and their cards and all that shit. Yeah, like I want... I want to listen to an episode of a podcast where somebody spends four hours talking about like one piece and they're like, okay. And that's that shot. Now let's talk about the next five seconds. And then it's like next episode. <laughs> like I, 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 there's something about that just like mass amount of detail that we can pull out of these works that I'm like, mm-hmm. I wish I had the mental space to be able to obsess over that. But I just, I can get to a point and then my knowledge just ends. It just, it just drops breaks on a down. Yeah. And I, I, I don't even know where to pick it back up, you know? Yeah. We need more silly podcasts from actual experts, not unqualified dumbasses like us. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a big <laughs> trope lately of like, and, and we're, we're part of it, right? Of like two dumbasses who are usually like white dudes like we are talking about a thing that they don't like. That that they that they like to make fun of, and that's like their entire enjoyment of the thing. Like you know, bad movie podcasts are a huge thing right now. But I I think that there's definitely a space for like, no, I know a fucking lot about Yu-Gi-Oh, and I'm gonna tell you about it for the next four hours. So buckle the fuck right up. And like, I think there's a market for that. Honestly, I think there's a there's a large group of people who would listen to that, and I'm one of them. Uh, before. <laughs> I've realized now that at least I've been recording for about a half hour and we have not talked about the episode yet. I'm very sorry. There's one more piece of news that I want to talk about real quick. Uh, There was a Team Yu-Gi-Oh championship uh, two days ago now, three days ago. I don't uh, know. That I I found out about on accident from the official Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game YouTube channel. So they had this massive tournament. Uh, it was some sort of championship. I, I honestly, I've only watched very little of it, but they streamed and recorded the whole thing. So if you are interested in watching people play actual Yu-Gi-Oh at a professional level, like, like at the level of the duels that we've just watched in the show, uh, with probably like legitimately equal amount parts of like craziness, like, I mean, nobody's mind shuffling, right? But like... Mm-hmm close enough uh there are if you go to uh the Yu-Gi-Oh, you can probably just google this even Yu-Gi-Oh official trading card game youtube it's their like official channel uh they have i think about 20 hours of recording from this championship over the last i think it was a two-day tournament um and it's like it's decent quality you know they've got commentators throughout the whole thing there's uh at least a couple of guys who are like recurring hosts through the event and it's on par with some of the better magic tournaments that I've watched out there. So it's uh, a, and magic an actual, puts like, in a lot of effort. Uh, broadcasts that they did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah right. it was it was a whole production. Uh, so it was really cool to see that. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I've just watched like bits and pieces here and there. But that's kind of being once I'm done editing this podcast, that's going to be the thing that I have like on in the background for the next couple of days. So uh, definitely go look that up if you're like, I want to know what an actual. Yu-Gi-Oh duel looks like because that's going to be the best of the best for sure. All right, want to talk about an episode? Boy, I do. Let me. I'm going to get a drink <laughs> of water real quick. Okay, I will do the same. 
Whew. Also, right. I since you were talking about podcasts from actual experts or whatever, I just googled Bionicle podcasts and I've pulled up something called Bed Bath and Bionicle where Riley calls their friend Joe to tell them all about the wondrous world of Bionicle. The only catch, he calls them at 7 a.m. in the morning as they get ready for work. I fucking sent that to you. I sent that to you, you like months ago and you're like, lol. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I completely forgot, but now I'm very interested. No, check it out. Check it out. I, and like, I, I mean, like I'm saying, Jimmy, if that is a thing that you want to do, like if you wanted to sit down and be like, I mean, look at Garrett, right? Our friend Garrett. Uh, he and I were going to do a podcast about Sonic that never came together, but his whole YouTube channel now is just like, let me talk at people for, I mean, not hours. He edits them and does a very good job, but like, let me just talk about Sonic in like detail that genuinely no one thought was possible, but he just has this like font of information springing forth and expert knowledge. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's a genuine thing. So if you wanted to make a Bionicle podcast where I sit and politely listen to all of your Bionicle knowledge, let me know because I would totally be up for that. Like that would, that would genuinely be a thing that would be interesting to people. Okay. I don't know if I want to do an entire new podcast, but <laughs> maybe a one-off episode sometime. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, well, we'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, before that, let's talk about this goddamn episode. Let's finally anyway. talk about episode 42, the ties of friendship. It's time to discuss the episode. Jimmy, weirdly enough, this is this is the episode that I think of when I think about watching Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was younger. Really? Yeah. For some reason, this episode stuck in my brain in a way that maybe I think the only other episode that like I can picture as vividly as this one is episode one. Really? For some strange reason, I, I could not tell you why. I don't remember anything surrounding when I first watched this episode, but I watched it when it came out. I, you know, saw it probably in a, in a rerun as well after that. But this is the episode that I picture when I close my eyes and think about what watching Yu-Gi-Oh feels like. That's unfortunate because I didn't like this episode. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't. It's not a great episode, but it's it's the one that I think stuck with me for some reason. So bearing that in mind, let's try and recap it in a way that doesn't take an hour this time. <laughs> uh, well, good thing not a whole lot happens. True, true. Uh, the episode opens... Uh, actually, I want to start with the intro real quick, if that's Okay. Okay. So the intro is just a it's just a better version of the most recent episode, right? It's it's just a recap of where they are up until this point. Super condensed. Yeah. Uh we talked about this last week briefly about the timeline of like when grandpa gets his soul back to now. And it's implied that it's the same day, right? Like they don't show grandpa getting out of the hospital. They don't show them getting home, but during the duel, or right before the duel, Yugi says that Grandpa's tired from getting out of the hospital that morning. So we assume that it's the same day. Yeah. The official synopsis uh, that I post with every episode says that it's several weeks later. So either the synopsis is wrong... Or I was wrong and Grandpa stayed in the hospital for several weeks. 
I mean, leaving, that's entirely possible. Leaving no one to care for these children for several weeks. Or I don't know. Some of them have parents, presumably. Yeah, uh, where's Yugi's parents? Is he an orphan? Uh, no, he has a mom that we meet. I think she's in one episode. Okay. She shows up in, in credits somewhere. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, so I just wanted to, like, get that out of the way. Because the intro restates, like, Grandpa got out of the hospital this morning, and I was listening to that while reading the description for the episode, trying to figure out which was correct. Was it one day or was it two weeks? And it frankly doesn't matter, but it's a a, a point, I guess. Yeah. But then the episode starts. It does. I wanted I to see if you had any comments about the start of the episode. I don't know. Uh, so it does. It does start. Uh, big surprise for the start of this episode. Grandpa has a story to tell. Hmm. Shocker. Uh, as you might remember from last week, we kind of ended on a weird twist where Grandpa is watching Yugi duel Rebecca, this child from America who's claiming that Grandpa stole her Blue Eyes White Dragon card. Uh, And he is having this sort of vague flashback of like, uh, I remember this duel. I have dueled this exact duel sometime in my past. You know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I I dueled a duel. Uh, I'm mixing movies at this point, but um, that's where we left off. And this week we start with grandpa being like, or telling to uh, Joey and Tristan and Taya, like, I know what's going to happen because I have played this exact game and I remember now where it was. And the other thing of the last episode is that grandpa reveals that he knows uh, Rebecca's grandfather, who is Professor Arthur Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, and Both Rebecca's Egyptologists. Like, right. And Rebecca is like, ah, yes, that's, you're right. That is my grandpa. And you stole his blue eyes white dragon. And that's why I'm going to make you pay. And uh, that's where we left off. So this week, grandpa is like, let me tell you the tale. Well, young whippersnappers. It was a long time ago. He doesn't uh, talk like that. Not entirely a long time ago. Either that or Grandpa has just always been an old man because he looks exactly the same in his flashback. He does. And I I had kind of a... I, I have a, just a half a theory about that. Grandpa has like... Not Benjamin Buttons, but like whatever it is when you're born old and just stay that way forever. <laughs> He was Does, born a with thing? a beard and spiky hair. Yeah, like he he was he was just born wrinkly and gray-haired and just stayed that at that level, right? Like he could be 30 for all we know. He's just <laughs> looked like that forever. But yeah, so he says it like it's it's years and years and years ago, but he doesn't uh, look like he's changed at all. Mother, I do believe I have shot in my pantaloons. Please change my diaper. <laughs> And he's like reminiscing about the good old days, uh, back when he was, you know, in uh, in in swaddling cloths or whatever. And now he's got to move on to pampers. I just learned to walk. I 
oh, good heavens, what's this strange, unfamiliar object? I'm going to put it in my mouth. <laughs> uh, he... <laughs> I'm Grandpa, and I'm one year old. Uh, he does have a name that, like, they use a few times this episode, but I just feel weird about. His name's Solomon? Yeah, who names their baby Solomon? I mean, like, I could see that making a, like, making a comeback now, sure. Uh. Like, how many Solomons do you know? Zero. No, none. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, like, okay, like, our peers could probably, I mean... We know a Hermione, right? Like, do you? Yeah, f***'s daughter. Oh, that's true. Yeah, hi. I don't know if you listen to this podcast. Probably not. Uh, but like, you know, it's 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 not a name that you hear that often. And where I was going with this is like Solomon is supposed to be like, you know, stands for wisdom. You know, he was the mm-hmm. wise king in the Bible and all these things. And this motherfucker gives. A thousands of year old priceless artifact to his dipshit ten year old grandson. Here, solve this puzzle. If you solve it, it will curse you. <laughs> right, and like, according to the ancient legends, which are not true, but I believe in them. Well, no, and that's and that's the thing. So, so before this episode, we could have given Grandpa the benefit of the doubt that, like, he didn't know that this thing was cursed, right? Yeah. Like, that he didn't know that there was anything weird tied to it. Could have been just an innocent thing where he just doesn't understand the concept of, like, precious artifacts. After this episode, that's out the window, right? Because what this episode reveals is is that he went on a dig in Egypt. Mm Mm-hmm you know, typical for the owner of a game store, right? Just like a daily occurrence for them. As you do. As you do. They let anybody do it, Lauren says, and she would know. Uh, just sign right up. And uh, they're, they're digging and they're, they're exploring. It looks like they're at like the Great Pyramids of Giza, which apparently is the only location in Egypt that matters. Yeah. Also, it's out in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure the right. Egyptian government was fine with these random game store dipshits digging around in their, like, priceless ancient uh, heritage sites. I mean, the other people could have been qualified, right? I just, yeah. I have no idea what Grandpa's bona fides are. Uh, so, Grandpa reveals that he made friends with Professor, with, uh, wow, I can't say Professor all of a sudden, Professor Hawkins, uh, because... Grandpa reveals that over the course of this dig, he was such an inexperienced dipshit. Like, clearly not. this is not his day job. He belongs back at the game store. Because he didn't bring enough water. On this expedition to a desert country. <laughs> right. They're in the middle of the desert. They're working all day. And he didn't bring enough water. And he is, like, mentally gearing himself up to die of thirst right is is where the scene opens notably he's not actually doing any work he's like observing this like team of hired people who are just like pickaxing the ground and he's just up on this sand dune he's like supervising yeah giant air quotes yeah and not managing his water well (laughs) and so he's he's like you know mentally gearing himself up to die of of uh uh uh, what's the, dehydration? There we go. Uh, and 
this figure approaches, and it's Professor Arthur Hawkins, Rebecca's grandfather, who offers him uh, some water. Which is like, great. I mean, that's that's cool. Whatever. That's uh, a very nice gesture. And Jimmy, let's say, like, imagine with me that you and I are in this scenario, right? Like, mm-hmm. say uh, that that I have mismanaged my water and we're in the middle of the desert and I'm out of water. And you see this and you want to make a nice gesture. And so you hand your canteen of water over to me and you're like, here, you know, I notice you're out, like, no big deal, whatever. What are you expecting me to do in that situation? Are you expecting me, like, to 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 take like a couple of sips of it and hand it back? What's your What's your read on that? Yeah, maybe a little more than a few sips, but like when you know when you're hiking and you run out of water, you just get enough to like quench your thirst and then hand it back. Right. Grandpa takes the canteen. <laughs> And guzzles what appears to be a full canteen down. He chugs it one... so fast that he just like chokes on it and starts yeah. crying. He starts. He literally starts crying. He drank so much water. So like, a, a why? Like now we know how you got yourself in this situation. B, that's not how you like handle other people's think like that was a gift that could have been his last canteen who knows yeah like he just has he has no grandpa has no concept of other people's belongings so he he totally totally could have stolen this uh this blue eyes like honestly by everything we know about grandpa at this point (laughs) yeah he is not below him he's not entirely all there no but anyway uh so Grandpa talks about how Hawkins believed that dual monsters played a part in Egyptian history because in this dig that they're on, there's hieroglyphic text that keeps mentioning a single word, like a lot. Oh, I don't think he says word I, I don't think he be? says over and over again, but he says a lot. What's that? What word could it be? What word could it possibly be? The word is dual. Therefore, card games are real and we're in ancient Egypt. Right. <laughs> That's the conclusion that Professor Hawkins come to is because it says dual, and I'm assuming he means D-U-E-L here, but it's never specified, that the card game that they play now called Dual Monsters existed in ancient Egypt and was very important to society in that time. To back up his claim... He shows Solomon, uh, no, I don't like, I don't know, I don't like it. He shows Grandpa uh, these other drawings that are on the walls there. And he goes, look at this Duel Monsters card. Doesn't that look exactly like the carving on this wall? And he goes, this is proof that they had Duel Monsters in the olden times. And they took part in duels for... Uh, like places of power, basically. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't possibly base things off of other things. This entire expedition could have been avoided. They would have saved tens of thousands of dollars if they just called up uh, Pegasus's like, dual monsters, like, PR line and just asked them, hey, did you base this card game off of ancient Japan or ancient Egypt? Right. And, like, 
I mean, and you would have said, know... yeah, I can tell you all about it. Yeah, and like you and I know that it's because of the magical bullshit that Pegasus has got going on. But like, yes, the dual monsters are real. But like that would have hurt Pegasus's business in zero ways because apparently it's been around for years beyond remembering. But B, you know, yeah, like I base it off of Egyptian folklore and like that's I'm very passionate about it. And I know all about it. Let me tell you, like. And that would just be like a, a fun little, you know, piece in the New York Times and then nobody would ever think about it ever again. Yeah, but these guys had to go all the way to Egypt and start digging around in tombs to prove it. Right. And so, uh, oh, they also find, sorry, uh, Hawkins discovers a, quote, mysterious link between the duels and the Millennium Items, uh, which he he discovered were these sort of mystical items that uh, if somebody possessed them, they could control the fate of the world. Uh, and the duels took place in something called the Shadow Realm. And it's all very, ooh, mysterious. We've definitely never heard these words before. Uh, except we have, so it's not like yeah. there's really no It's not a surprise here. to us. <laughs> uh, and because uh, we are dealing with two incredibly incompetent people, the tomb caves in on them and collapses, trapping them in a room that conveniently has two chairs and a table <laughs> yeah not even like regular chairs and table these are stone chairs and tables like hewn from solid rock yeah so this is people could sit scene, there and play card games exactly it's a scene straight out of indiana jones where like oh no something's terrible something terrible is happening but oh wait it's part of this larger destiny and we have to prove ourselves through feats of skill uh but no, later on, it's just going to be the perfect place to have a card game, yeah. basically. But uh, they are trapped in there for days? Yeah, it's implied days. And they get down to uh, their last canteen of water, which, honestly, it's a miracle they lasted that long if it's days and Grandpa's there. Like, Also, where are they peeing? <laughs> Off in a corner somewhere behind a rock, I would imagine. Probably. There's a lot of uh, rocks. There's a lot of rocks. That's true. Uh, so they get down to one canteen of water, and Professor Hawkins challenges Grandpa to a duel uh, to sort of pass the time, you know, to help things go by. And it amazes me that they have been hanging out for days now in a cave, and this is the first, like, it's implied that this is the first time that Professor Hawkins has been like, Oh, I have Duel Monsters cards with me. And Grandpa goes, Oh, I own a Duel Monsters store or whatever. Like, yeah. maybe he doesn't at that point, but like, I happen he's to have got my... cards with them. Yeah, he's got a Duel Monsters deck in his pocket. They both do. Right. So, days now of both of them being prepared with this card game ready to play. Unless maybe we're still at a point in the world where just everybody carries around Duel Monsters cards, right? Like, maybe that's just an accessory that everyone assumes to. To, to have uh and uh he pr challenges grandpa to a duel and then grandpa suggests that whoever wins the duel should get the remaining water under the idea that if they split it there wouldn't be enough water in there to really help either of them 
both of them would die. Right. So he's essentially saying, like, let's duel to see who lives. Who lives and who <laughs> dies? The card game. Uh, right. And Professor Hawkins is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure, no that's gravitas right. at all. No, like, he's, he's, he's completely laissez faire about it. Uh, and they sit down and, and start to, to duel. We cut back to the present day, and Rebecca is sick of Grandpa talking. She tells him to shut up, old man, and so he's like, "Fine, whatever." Uh, it, it was nice that like there's a there's a quick shot of like Joey and Taya being like, "No, I want to hear I want to hear more of this story. I want I want more of this. I don't really care about the duel right now. The duel, the, nothing is going to happen here. We don't care about the duel." Yeah. Uh, I want to point out, there's a brief clip of Joey yelling at Rebecca to, like, no, shut up. This is an interesting story. The duel can wait. I don't care that you're in the middle of a turn. And the way they animated his face is really bizarre. Let me send that to you. Oh, did you take a screen cap? I did take a screen cap. Oh, yeah, I noticed this. Yeah, they gave him... They gave him, like, a a pervert smile. Yeah, he's like, nah, duels. it's it's like it's very like Joker esque almost, where his eyes are really big, and his his smile is like it's like he's biting his lower lip. Yeah, and his, his the corners of his mouth go way up the side of his face. Yeah, it's very just it's very uncomfortable. I did notice that. I don't know why they did that. It's kind of disturbing. Like a, We've never seen him make this face before. Uh, no, we have. Have we, we have once, not this exact face, but if you do a quick search for, uh, oh God, what are the search terms here that aren't going to be porn? Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Tristan, Joey. Creepy face. Flex. Oh, I know the ones you're talking about. Do you I don't know, know the one I'm talking about? I've seen them before yet. It's... It's a shot of oh actually it's three of them it's it's Joey and Tristan and Taya, um, Yu Gi Oh oh yeah uh, let's see yeah nope uh just Yu Gi Oh gifts I've only seen it in gift form I'm just now realizing but there's a shot uh from like a long time ago where uh. It's it's a shot of Joey and Tristan and Taya celebrating. Actually, no, you know what I think it is? I think it's from uh, the beginning of Aftermath, where they're celebrating that Yugi won. And there's a there's a great shot where it's a sparkly background behind them, and Joey is flexing, and he's making the same like really creepy face. Um, yeah. Oh, That's there's really also. Weird. <laughs> there's all... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this image because it's not the one I was thinking of, but it's very similar. Uh, maybe Joey is just one of those people that has a weird smile. It it came up for me. I just searched Yu-Gi-Oh gifts, but if if you look up like Yu-Gi-Oh Joey weird smile, I think he just has like like he has like Kevin Bacon smile. Does where, that make sense? Yeah, we're just suddenly he'll just be like, hey. Yeah, like Kevin Bacon is a very attractive man until he smiles barely too much. And then he is a cartoon villain. 
Yeah. Right? Once like, he reaches a certain level of smiling, he's just extremely creepy looking. Yeah, it's it's a it's a threshold, you know, and I, I think Joey just has that same thing where if he if he celebrates just a little bit too hard, he uh he he, he reaches that that point. Um But, but anyway, yeah, back so, to the duel. Back to the duel, I guess. Uh so one of the things that, that I thought was really funny here is that, uh, so Yugi takes his turn, right? And he plays catapult turtle in attack mode. He plays, okay, maybe, maybe I won't get to the funny part just yet. There's a funny part coming up, but first the turn happens. He plays catapult turtle in attack mode, uh, which as we know, he can sacrifice a monster to have catapult turtle launch it directly at the opponent's, uh, life total, uh, for I think half the attack damage of the monster. Yeah. Uh, because in the previous episode, uh, Rebecca played Millennium Shield, which attracts all incoming attacks. And it uh, has that magnetic, I, whatever the hell it was, around it that attracts all the... Yeah, yeah. It's like a special attacks. spell that, that draws incoming attacks to it instead of Rebecca's life points or uh, other monsters. And so uh, he summons... Catapult Turtle and Rebecca still like, well, that won't do anything because everything's going to hit the the Millennium Shield. And he goes, oh, actually, what if I did this? And he plays Brain Control to take control of the Millennium Shield, sacrifice Millennium Shield to have the Catapult Turtle fire it. So he fires the Millennium Shield directly at Rebecca's life points, destroying it in the process. Then he has uh, Summon Skull attack the Cannon Soldier, uh, Rebecca's other monster out on the field, and destroys that as well. So he kind of just like in one fell swoop clears her side of the board, which uh, is a legitimately good play. Like yeah. that's what we like to see in a in a Yu Gi Oh duel uh, in in real life or in the cartoons. That was a plus. It was a sweet combo. It's like in Pokemon when a preschooler challenges you to a Pokemon fight and then they bring out their Caterpie, but you've been playing the game for hours, so you send out, like, freaking Mewtwo or something and just (laughs) annihilate this child who dared step up to you. Exactly, and it's it's that one kid who's like, I like shorts. They're comfy and easy to wear. Uh And then, then like, well, it's it's better than that, too, because imagine that that same kid is, like, fucking shit-talking you for the entire 30 time. minutes and then you pull out your Mewtwo uh were you looking at, at uh Lauren is is doing some let me guess stretch here L- Lauren is playing one of those really obnoxious shrines in Breath of the Wild that makes you move the thing around Lauren are you playing an obnoxious shrine in Breath of the Wild that makes you move the thing around ding 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 nailed it One of the things that I love about Nintendo launch titles is that they're like, what's the thing that we can do to really take advantage of this new console? You know, like with the with the Wii U, they had a lot of like really good uh, gamepad stuff. With the GameCube, they were like, let's plug Game Boys into shit. But the problem is, is that they take it just barely too far for like when it's when it's important. They're <laughs> She's got the switch like upside down over her yeah, face right she's now. Like I'm going, so scared she's gonna drop it. Uh, she is upside down and like moving the switch like sideways, like at ninety degrees. And it this is one of the, this is what I'm talking about is they it's a great idea, right? Where you're like, oh, there should be a puzzle where you have to pull the switch out of the dock and like move it around because that's a thing you can do now with this console that's like new and interesting. 
But then they've got these fucking puzzles in this game where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm doing the thing. Yep, I'm doing it. I'm contorting myself into this weird position and the fucking ball won't get in the fucking hole. <sighs> yeah, those shrines were a huge problem. It reminds me of the worst puzzle in any uh, Zelda game, uh, which was in Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass. Uh, I don't know if you ever played it, but it was on the DS. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like one of the first Zelda games on the DS, I think. And, of course, the uh, DS yeah, has two screens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the puzzle was, all right, you've got uh, this map that is, like, freshly ink and, like, your map, which doesn't have, which is completely blank. Uh, blank. Uh, and now you have to get this information from the top uh, map onto the, the bottom map so you can, onto like, take it map. away. Yeah. And so... They give you this, and the the prompt is, all right, touch these together so you can transfer the ink. And so you're sitting there pressing all the buttons for hours trying to figure out how to fucking do it. And the solution to the puzzle is you have to close your DS and open it again. What the fuck? And that's the only time in the entire game where you have to do anything like that. It's just completely out of nowhere. And I love that that exact same concept, like they can't, you you cannot play that game on the 3DS because when you close the 3DS, the whole thing goes to sleep. Well, yes. And that's what it does in the DS as well. Oh, did it do it there too? So like yeah. you have to, you, you have, have to put, put your, your console you to, the sleep whole console to sleep and open it again. What the fuck? Nintendo, what are you doing? <laughs> I will say, okay. My favorite version of that though is, um, Amnesia. Uh, when Amnesia first came out for GameCube, it was like, wasn't it GameCube? Amnesia? I might be thinking of the wrong thing. I'm I'm pretty like sure Amnesia, it was GameCube. the Dark Descent. That was yeah. on GameCube. Are you thinking of something else? Like I might be thinking of something else. I, I might be thinking of a different horror game. But there was a horror it game wasn't that came Amnesia. out for GameCube. Okay, it wasn't Amnesia then. But there was a horror game that came out for GameCube that I I. I historically hate horror games, so I could only watch somebody play this game. Mm-hmm. But it had this like sanity mechanic where the closer you got to, well, yeah, yeah, but for GameCube, uh, uh, the, the reason the reason I'm thinking of Amnesia and Lauren's thinking of Amnesia is this is the exact like basically the only mechanic in that whole game. But it had a sanity thing where the closer you got to monsters, the more insane you became. And there came a certain point. Maybe it was a Resident Evil game. I don't know. But there came a certain point where you got so insane that the game cuts out all of a sudden and plays the GameCube loading screen. You know where the little box drops into the screen and oh, makes the, yeah. like rolls around and makes the G. I and have like, heard of this before. You're like, fuck, my whole game reset. What the fuck? What the fuck? But you have to keep playing because then it fades out and you're back in the game. That's I'm trying to crazy. think of what that was now. I, I had it in my head. I was so convinced that it was Amnesia. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. No, uh, Amnesia is the game that we played at our old first apartment, and you had to, like, play it from, like, six feet away on the floor yeah, because you couldn't you couldn't stand looking game. at it for too long. Uh, yeah, I... Man, I gotta look this up now. But, so, anyway, so the, the duel... The duel continues... Uh, Yugi has a pretty good combo, but the the funny part here that I, I thought was good was Rebecca has a line after he does that whole thing 
Rebecca has a line where she goes, I'm still going to defeat you, Yugi. I'm going to get you and your thieving grandfather, <laughs> which my head also filled in, and your little dog, too. Uh, but Joey says something in, in Yugi's defense, and Grandpa kind of smiles, and Joey's like, well, what? what? Like, what do you know? And he goes, Rebecca thinks that she has this all figured out, but she forgets, I've already played this duel. Because it's just like yeah. the duel that that he played. So he's like trying to be cool here. <laughs> but it's grandpa, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, she keeps yeah. drawing cards and like congratulating herself on being a genius who's about to win. And just everyone is completely sick of her shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, especially grandpa at this point because he's realized like, oh, I, I know her whole her whole shit, right? Like this is uh this is the exact duel that I had with Arthur. She's going to you know, smack talk some more and I like I know how this is going to end. And I'm so sorry. I'm very distracted now because I am definitely googling what <laughs> this horror game is that I was thinking of. Uh Eternal Darkness, I think. That sounds right. Yes. Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. What's that? I was thinking maybe it was Geist or something, but oh, I think it could it have is been Eternal Geist. Darkness. Uh, no, so Eternal Darkness featured a sanity meter, the gauge of the protagonist's mental stability. If the sanity dipped, uh, characters would start having freaky hallucinations. Uh, stately portraits on the wall would become gruesome death masks. Players' heads would fall off, and they could pick them up and add them to their inventories, so on and so forth. Uh, this is from Wired, actually. Uh, but the best sanity effects were those directly targeting the player. The screen would go blank with the word video in the corner, as if the signal had been lost, and we hear the character being attacked. Sometimes jumping into the menu screen would bring up a dialog box that showed the player's save games being deleted. Uh, so yeah, so that was other things that could happen, but this was also the game where it would play the GameCube loading screen, which was just great. Get meta. Uh, anyway, Eternal Darkness. Uh, so, so yeah, so Grandpa just has kind of that funny line there being like, I've already seen the future. Ha ha. Uh, Rebecca draws a card, uh, which is apparently a good card because as any shitty child who's overly confident while playing a card game, they will not shut up about how they just drew a good card. We've all been there. We've all been that kid. It's fine. Uh, if you ever want to hear some good stories about having to very quickly learn to not be that kid ask Lauren sometime about playing spades with her family because I did not know that this woman had a competitive bone in her body until we visited some of her family in New Orleans and played spades for the first time. Apparently it's like a big family thing on that side of the family. And God, that was scary. That was genuinely <laughs> terrifying for me. Um, so she draws this good card and she's talking to her teddy bear about like, oh, didn't we draw a good card, Teddy? Aren't we going to win the game now? She was, she, like she was literally dancing around on her little platform. Yeah, just... And it's just like, if there was ever a moment where you doubted that this was an eight-year-old child, like all of those doubts are gone now, right? This is a 100% eight-year-old child. Like kudos to them for figuring out how to write a kid properly now and not just Yugi. Just make them incredibly obnoxious. Right. Uh yeah, I guess I mean all the young kids we've seen so far have been like weirdly responsible. Yeah, you like know? Mokuba. 
Yeah, like Mokuba's a fucking like manager at Kaiba Land. <laughs> uh, and well, and Yugi too. Like Yugi, we don't know Yugi's exact age in the show. I guess I'm sure somebody listed on a on a wiki or something somewhere. But uh, you know, he he just like fought a uh, international celebrity for his grandfather's soul. Yeah. So you know, there's that. Uh, and then here's this shitty kid being a shitty kid, and that's actually kind of nice. Uh, oh shit! I, I scrolled and I lost it. She plays. Uh, she got a card called Judgment Blaster. That's right. Which I is, knew you would love this card. <laughs> it's a tired-looking airman guy from like World War Two, and like uh-huh. just over his shoulder, he's got like, like slinging like a sack of potatoes. He's got a bomb. Yeah, just literally holding bomb. it like a, like an atom bomb over his shoulder. Yeah, and he's just like, all right, I guess I have to deal with this but the effect of judgment blaster which i guess is a spell card yes. um it she has to discard five cards from her hand but the effect is it destroys every monster and thing that yugi has out at once right so uh that happens yugi gets judgment blasted and Judgment Blaster sounds like a like a video game, like an educational video game that would have come out in the nineties. Like it teaches kids like the rules of logic or something. Yeah, or like you know, uh, it's like a it's like an early Phoenix Wright. It's like a courtroom simulator, Judgment and they try to Blaster. make like like the process of law entertaining for kids. <laughs> it's like number munchers, but with uh, the statutes of various states or whatever. Right. <laughs> Hit him with that municipal law. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Judgment Blaster plays. And then Rebecca plays uh, another card that's new. A lot of new cards, I will say, these couple of episodes, uh, which is really cool to see. Uh, but she plays Shadow Ghoul. Shadow Ghoul is a classic black-type magic monster, uh, if I can keep making that comparison. Oh, please do. Uh, it's my only frame of reference for this show and so how it's, cards it's, work. Rebecca, Rebecca, like we we made a joke last week of Rebecca is just straight up playing a black deck in Mag- Magic the Gathering, and this card absolutely proves it because it gains a hundred attack points for every monster that has been sent to her graveyard so far, which and she counts it up has been eleven monsters, and there's a great there's a great shot of like Joey trying to count to eleven, but he runs out of fingers. Yeah. So he's like he's like counting up by a hundred. So he goes, wait, how many is that? Uh, 100, 200, 300, 400. And he's like counting. And Tay is finally just like, it's it's eleven hundred. <laughs> it's not that hard. Poor Joey. Uh, so uh, Judgment Blaster gets an extra eleven hundred attack points. One of my friends has a magic deck that has a very similar monster to it. It's something like Consuming Aberration, but it's hmm. attack and defense both go up for every. Uh, creature card in anyone's graveyard and it's right. in a mill deck so she hits you with it and then everyone in the game has to count how many things they have in their graveyards and so this thing gets up to like 35 35 attack and defense Jesus which is just Christ. an insane number so if you have any if you're like open to attack you can just get hit once and instantly die 
Yeah, so so for frame of reference for for people who have played Yu-Gi-Oh but not Magic the Gathering because there might be a couple of people like that here. In Magic the Gathering, you start with 20 life points. Yeah. So having a monster on the field with 35 is like oh, just everyone's fucked now, right? Like especially if you find a way and I mean maybe your friend did this, I don't know, but like if you find a way to put trample on that card, like so that it just deals any excess damage like it can deal damage to a monster and then any excess damage gets dealt directly to the player yeah no matter what you bring out to defend against this thing you're just going to die anyway yeah basically which is why i hate that thing yeah (laughs) at that point it's just a matter of time right you have to have like a like a spell that explicitly gets rid of the monster yeah uh, which is kind of what happens here, actually. Uh, so Rebecca uh, plays this card, and then Yugi is like very offended, almost that she plays this card because he goes, he, he says that dual monsters isn't about tossing aside creatures for the sake of of one powerful monster, right? Like he he sort of sees this play as like Rebecca disrespecting the other cards in her hand. Yeah. And she's been so focused on discarding and like pulling out monsters that get destroyed very quickly. He's befe- he's offended on behalf of the monster cards. Yeah, which is which is, you know, it's it's real sweet, I guess. I, and like Yeah, I mean it's I can, sweet in Pokemon when like the the creatures are like actual animals that are like your friends. Right. But here they're literally just cards. Well, I mean, we did have that whole scene with uh, with Dark Magician and Yugi's Mind Palace, where you know he didn't attack because Dark Magician is his friend. Doesn't yeah, doesn't attack Yugi. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I, I get what you mean. It kind of loses steam a little bit uh, here. Uh, the cards are Rebecca, very real, and they have feelings too. Right. Rebecca counters with, I mean, kind of what you were saying. She's like, dueling has nothing to do with respecting your monsters. She says, everything is about winning. Uh, And then she continues to say, they're not real. They're just ink on cards. What is there to respect? Yeah. Are you out of your mind? Valid point. Maybe they don't have magic in the States. Yugi has uh, another great line, which is, every monster demands its own kind of respect. Every monster? Every monster. Even uh, even good old Saggy the Dark Clown? <laughs> you respect Saggy the Dark Clown. Saggy's even, out there uh, doing his best. Even uh, Thousand Eyes Restrict? <laughs> the, good old, the good old eyeball penis monster? Your, our good friend Thousand Eyes Restrict is just out there working the 9 to 5 to <laughs> put food on the table for his family. I'm now picturing smaller versions of... <laughs> Thousand eyes restrict. Ten eyes. They start out as ten eyes restrict. (laughs) Just little awful, grotesque babies. Ten eye. Ten eyes bind. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So like, Grandpa uh, has an aside, and he just says to himself, "That's not what Arthur thought." Oh, that's right. Yes. So he he remembers that Professor Hawkins also believed in the heart of the cards, like part of his research into the shadow realm duels and the the beliefs that ancient egyptians had about dual monsters was sort of in line with uh what yugi has been experiencing in that every card has a a heart that needs to be uh respected in its own way 
Um, I yeah. can absolutely understand how not everyone would share that opinion because to the vast majority of people in the world, magic does not exist. Yeah. And monsters are just in a card game. It's literally just cards. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I get that Yu-Gi-Oh would be offended, but also... Come on. Know, know what minority you're in here. Yeah. <laughs> not uh, everyone has... Uh, their favorite card game monsters like befriending them and dueling for them in like ancient Egyptian shadow dimensions. Yeah, not not everyone is the uh, main character also sharing their physical vessel with a five thousand year old pharaoh. Yeah, you know, like check your privilege. <laughs> Yugi is uh, mad that she's sacrificing creatures, but like. Two episodes ago, we saw him sacrifice Dark Magician to bring out Black Chaos Mage or whatever. So sit down and yeah. shut up, Yugi. Well, so like they they kind of clarify. There's a, there's a bit of a difference that they clarify later on, but like, yeah, basically, it's both arguments are bullshit, right? Like, yes, you can respect the cards. Also, for all intents and purposes, cards are fake. Also, don't be shitty. Like yeah. Uh, so, uh, Yugi, because he's he's worried about this super powerful shadow ghoul that's been played, he plays a monster in defense mode, uh, and Rebecca immediately rebuttals by playing a, a magic card called Stop Defense, which immediately forces any defense mode monsters into attack mode. It stops so it defense. Reveals, it stops defense. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, so it reveals that Yugi had actually played Dark Magician in defense mode, changes it to attack mode, and then she attacks it with Shadow Ghoul, destroying Dark Magician. And that, um, it's it's just her graveyard where that gets power from, right? Or is it all creatures? Uh, it is just her graveyard. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think this kill makes Shadow Ghoul more powerful. It's but... not consuming aberration. Right, exactly. Uh, so uh, Grandpa says that well, his duel with Professor Hawkins... I want to point out, Tristan has a line here. Mr. Moto, Yugi's getting creamed. Yeah, Tristan with his old-timey speak every now and then is really weird. Who says getting creamed anymore? Tristan, apparently. Apparently. Uh, but yeah, so he's, he's like, Mr. Moto, Yugi's getting creamed, or, or however he says it. Uh, and... Grandpa tells him not to worry because his duel with Professor Hawkins went exactly like this, which proves two things to me. One, I guess Duel Monsters has never gotten like balance adjustments or like new packs or ever like had cards go out of print or stop being tournament legal ever. Like, it's just had the same cards since forever, except for the one-offs that Pegasus decides to print. Yeah, I guess Grandpa never changed anything in his deck. Uh, and ne neither did Yugi. And neither did Yugi. And neither did Rebecca. Right. They just accepted them completely as they are and didn't add anything or take anything out. Well, one very important thing was taken out. Oh, yes. Or two very important things, rather. 
Or no, no, I guess just one. I was going to say Blue Eyes White Dragon is no longer in Grandpa's deck, but that was never in Grandpa's deck. No. Uh, but Yugi fucking doesn't have Exodia anymore. Yeah, so five things were taken out. So five cards are missing from his deck, but apparently that doesn't affect the balance of the deck at all. It doesn't affect how he shuffles. It doesn't affect like how like statistically cards come out in what order There's or anything. No bearing. No bearing. It doesn't matter whatsoever. Uh so those are those are a couple of things that it proves about how Duel Monsters is played at this point. Uh God damn it. Which cat. like We're trying to report a <laughs> Record a podcast, and this freaking cat uh, keeps trying to Just step on my part keyboard. Of Just wants to be part of it, you know. Gotta, gotta, gotta get on that that cat podcasting game. We got Pepper's own podcast. We gotta, we gotta get your cats their own podcast. Yeah. We don't, we don't really, Lauren. But Lauren, Lauren was like, "What well, we don't, but we should." Uh, he's been on no, this podcast wanted... often enough. He, he's been a guest host, you know. Uh. So, yeah, like, it makes me wonder how Duel Monsters has, A, remained so popular if it's possible to have a world championship quality deck that does not change for 20 years. Yeah, no one's found a way to, like, counter it that it needs to adapt to. And, like, how do you how do you even make money off that game anymore if it's just decided like, Oh, this is the best deck. Yeah. These, these are the 40 cards you need to buy and nothing else ever. Who knows for, for years, years beyond memory, according to grandpa. Well, maybe Uh, dual monsters isn't as popular as we were led to believe. And it's just the, the purview of these like, super crazy dedicated and obsessed fans who happen to have shit tons of money like Kaiba. yeah it's that it's that second part because i was gonna say otherwise like how would kaiba land exist it's just him. kaiba land a, a literal dual monsters themed uh park amusement yeah. park that like has customers and like books arenas for months on end how would duelist kingdom exist like where is Pegasus getting his money from? He was a painter. Yeah, it's like if in the real world someone made chess land and it's just super giant holographic chess, and like it only attracts chess fans, and but it's somehow popular enough to stay in business. Oh yeah, and somehow somehow all fans of chess are like filthy rich. Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't make sense to me on a business front. But all of that aside, uh, Grandpa sort of continues to reveal that this duel happening with Rebecca is exactly the same as his duel against Professor Hawkins, including the next move that Yugi plays, which is Swords of Revealing Light, uh, which causes Rebecca to uh, sort of not be able to attack. Her monsters can't attack for three turns. Mm -hmm. So she passes her next turn uh, because she can't do anything. And then Yugi plays Monster Reborn to resurrect the Dark Magician, Hold sort up. of building back his forces. Cat. No. <laughs> my headphone cable is so thin, and he keeps trying to bite it. Not oh, on no. my watch. <laughs> I'm going to expel the... I, I trusted Toshi to come in here and sit on my lap while I recorded, but my, 
my trust was misplaced, and so I'm going to chuck him out. That's, I mean, that's here, that's really shit. the the one rule we want listeners to take away from this podcast is uh, don't trust cats. They're all assholes. I truly don't care uh, if you have had a good one or have a good one currently. They're all they're all just big old dicks. Cats. Cats. Yep. They are big old dicks. Also, I don't know how an I, animal uh, so small can make so much hair. I'm covered with it. Yeah, now. I I kind of had to get used to that with Pepper. Uh, I just like have to accept that all of my black clothing just constantly has hair all over it. And he's, he's tough because he's red, black, and blonde. So no, no clothing that he wears. <laughs> Three different colors of hair. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, when Lauren's hair was a little bit lighter red, they had like similar shades. So the only way that I could tell the difference between her hair and Pepper's hair was just the length. Then I would just have like, it was just everywhere. <laughs> I had two redheads shedding in the house and it was just, it was wonderful. And I loved every minute of it. <laughs> well, uh, listeners, if you're, if you want a delightful pet who doesn't shed, I can recommend miniature schnauzers who do not shed and are hyperallogenic. And genuinely, all of them are delightful. I have never met one that I didn't like. They're great pets. They're good dogs. They're great. So so there's that. So do that. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So Re- Rebecca's passing her turn because of Swords of Revealing Light. Yugi plays Monster Reborn, resurrects Dark Magician. Uh, Rebecca quickly, like grocks to the idea of him trying to kind of rebuild his forces so she plays uh, another cannon soldier in defense mode which is i think the first time that we've gotten an idea of like oh you can have more than one of the same kind of monster in your deck i think the only other time we've seen this has been blue eyes white dragon yeah we haven't really seen people playing more than one of anything Really, it's all it's all mostly one offs, uh, except for blue eyes. I think. Can you and have a, more than one of the same card. creature out on the battlefield at the same time? You can. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think the only limitation in dual monsters is you can have. Uh oh, God! I I know we've mentioned this in the show. I'm gonna get this wrong. I believe it's a maximum of three of one kind of card in your deck. Mm-hmm. Like like a magic, it's it's a limit of four. Um. But in uh, in Dual Monsters, I think it's three. And yeah, there's really no reason to not have duplicates. I, I think just Yugi is like too cool for school and like wants every card to be unique. But each card is unique and special and his friend. And uh, and Kaiba just thinks that they all deserve honor, apparently. So that's his excuse. Uh, so she plays another Cannon Soldier in defense mode. Uh, Dark Magician attacks Cannon Soldier on Yugi's next turn, kills Cannon Soldier, but then Yugi realizes, oh, wait a second, that adds another card to Rebecca's graveyard, so Shadow Ghoul gets another 100 attack points. Yeah. But it can't attack because of Swords of Revealing Light, so Rebecca passes again, which causes Grandpa to have another flashback, revealing that his duel with Professor Hawkins really was the same, and that Grandpa had also played Swords of Revealing Light and had did so to stall for time because he was waiting for one particular card to appear. Uh, and th- there's like a little bit of a conversation here where like Arthur kind of picks up 
on the fact that grandpa is looking for a particular card. He asks what the card is. And without replying right away, grandpa kind of just like hangs his head and puts his hand on the deck and surrenders the duel. Yep. And cut to and, the modern day. And mm-hmm. we see the exact thing. The, the exact same thing happen. Yugi draws a card, looks at it, puts it back. And Yugi surrenders. Yeah. And the duel is over. And Yugi gives up. Uh, to which you know Rebecca celebrates and is whooping and hollering. And she runs over, uh, just like fucking leaving her cards at the podium, I guess. Yeah. Like, she, she'll come back for those, maybe? She just doesn't care. She leaves them behind. All she wants is the blue eyes. Yeah, so she demands the blue eyes back, and uh, Grandpa reaches into his pocket, and I genuinely didn't realize that he would even have this like on his person. I thought that it was just gone. Yeah. But he reveals that he has the blue eyes card. He's had it in his pocket uh, the whole time. Right, and it's taped together now. There's a big fat tear through the middle from episode one, 41 episodes ago. Uh and uh, she freaks out and, like, starts blaming him for destroying it and how dare he and uh, is, like, kind of starting to get violent almost, but she's a small child, so it's, like, you're not really sure whether to be scared of her. Yeah. Uh, at which point uh, a, a voice uh, from behind uh, tells her, what does he even say? He doesn't say, like, shut up. <laughs> he tells her to mind just, her manners. There it is. Yeah, it's a very it's a very grandpa way of telling somebody to, to, shut to up. kindly <laughs> fuck off. Uh, and uh, it's Professor Hawkins, uh, who has aged, weirdly. <laughs> He's got gray hair now. Uh, I think further proving that grandpa doesn't age. He's just always been old. Uh, and he sort of introduces himself to the group and says hi to, to grandpa. And... This, I mean, I, I want to get your read on this scene because I have a very specific read on this scene and I feel like it may be colored by recent events in the Harry Potter universe, recent announcements made by a certain author. Uh, but like, how did you how did you feel about Professor Hawkins and Grandpa sort of reuniting here? I know what you're, what you're, uh, where your mind is going here and you're, uh-huh. you're shipping them, these two old men. I mean... I'm just saying I think that there's a reason that they were in a cave together for several days before the idea of Duel Monsters <laughs> Before came they come up with the idea of playing a card game, card game that both of them know and happen to have on them. I'm just saying I think, I think, they, were, I think they were playing with a very different deck, if you know what I mean. I don't. Can you expand on that? <laughs> well, it's, I, you see, Jimmy, I know. it's because deck sounds like... <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh yeah, I, I I I I ship it. I think there's something going on there. You know, like oh, it didn't even occur to me. I mean, so so okay, so they both have grandchildren that look like them, right? So it's implied that they're they were both at least at one point in heterosexual relationships and like had offspring of their own, or maybe were surrogates for somebody. That could also be an op- uh, an option. Yeah, we haven't uh, seen any of but, their parents, so really, who knows? Who knows? Honestly. Uh, they could reproduce by budding in this world, for all we know. Uh, they were summoned yeah, from know. the shadow realm. I don't know. There was just like, and maybe it's because we haven't really seen romance in this 
show yet. Like, I think there was something there. You think so? I think so. I think they. I think. Uh, I think they. Something happened. I think you know, it's definitely that, a that, possible uh, headcanon, but uh, I don't think that four kids or this um, whatever company that animated it had anything like that in mind. Just from no, I I don't think so. There's there's literally nothing like in the text that supports my theory here. I just really want that to be the truth. Uh, well, you can go ahead and believe it because. <laughs> thank you. Uh yeah. Nobody's gonna stop me. No one's going to stop you. Uh, so Hawkins says that Yugi actually won the duel, and that's why Rebecca should pipe down. Uh, and he walks over to to Yugi's sort of dueling platform picks up the top card of his deck that he would have drawn and reveals that, that it draw. was a card or that it did draw and then put back and he reveals that it, the card was soul release which i don't think is a card we've seen in yugi's deck before no i don't but i didn't recognize it what it would have done is it it can free up to five cards from either player's graveyard so he could have taken five cards out of rebecca's deck dropping the Shadow Ghoul's attack power to 2,300, because it was up to 2,800, mm-hmm. uh, which is 200 less than Dark Magician. So he could have then attacked with Dark Magician and gone on to win the duel. Uh, so Yugi would have won, and by all accounts should have won, and but did chose win. to surrender to show uh, to Rebecca that there's more to dueling than winning and losing. To, to show Rebecca that he believes in the heart of the cards. Which, I, I'm a little lost here. Was Yugi then going to, like, reveal this to her? and To show that it's not about winning and losing? Because otherwise, he's just letting her win, and she faces no consequences whatsoever for being an obnoxious little shit. Yeah, it's which is not the it's lesson. Really unclear. That's not how you teach someone a lesson is by letting them get everything they wanted. And I think too, like the the other thing about this duel that's interesting is that it has been Yugi dueling this whole time and not Pharaoh. And I think that Pharaoh would have totally called this kid out on her shit, right, and been like, "This is this is the lesson you need to learn today." I think that Yugi would have been like. Nah, she'll get it eventually. Yeah, Yugi is much more forgiving than Pharaoh. Right. Which is fine. Like, that's a good character trait to have. But also, yeah, like, your point exactly. Like, what purpose does this actually serve if she's not going to learn the lesson that you're trying to get across here? Yeah, you need to bring out Pharaoh. Fucking annihilate this child who has the audacity to fly to another country and challenge you to a duel and insult your grandpa to his face. God, could you imagine how differently this episode would have been if it was Pharaoh dueling instead of Yugi? Like, turn two. Allow me to open your mind and reveal the secrets of the universe to you, an eight-year-old child. Oh, you've passed this turn and every turn for the rest of eternity? Okay, cool. <laughs> he just instantly mind-crushes her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not going to duel you. Uh, I'm going to change your mind forever. Mind-crush. Get out of here. Yeah. Get out of my face. You've... You've now forgotten about the concept of dual monsters. <laughs> you're, you're, the they, dark parts of your spirit have been banished to the shadow realm. Oh, shit. No, that would have been a way better episode because they would have come back and possessed the teddy bear. I'm pretty sure that thing is already possessed. 
Oh, <laughs> it's got at least one soul in there. The Millennium Bear. <laughs> that would be an amazing season two reveal. I don't think that's what happens, but that would be really cool. No. Uh, so as he's explaining this, what's weird about this and what, what almost proves my shipping theory is that Yugi blushes when Hawkins reveals this. But he blushes in like a like a flirting way, like the way that an anime character blushes when somebody's hitting on them. Yeah, he's like teehee. And then he Hawkins reveals that Grandpa did the exact same thing, and then Grandpa blushes, which is kind of unsettling to see. Yeah, and like this is the youngest that Grandpa's ever looked too, because he gets all like cherubic or whatever, uh, and. In the flashback, it's revealed that Grandpa surrendered the duel because Professor Hawkins was sort of being affected by the heat more than Grandpa was because Grandpa is a camel and just stores water. That's why he needed so much uh, all at once. Uh, so he, he surrendered the duel so that Professor Hawkins would get the water and that he would live. And that he would live, yeah. Luckily, at that point, in the flashback, uh, some more rocks fall down, revealing a beam of light from up above and the sound of voices. And it's a, it's a rescue team and they're shouting down, hey, are you in there? Are you alive? Did you make it? Who won the duel? Uh, they don't say that. Uh, but they, they, they sort of reveal that there were people looking for them the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and is it just me or was one of the voices in the rescue crew... Definitely Tristan. <laughs> I, almost definitely. I don't remember this at all, but it was. It, it was, had to have been the voice actors that were just like, "All right, you're already in the booth. Do this random voice." Right. Exactly. Exactly. That, that was the uh, a million percent the read on that. Uh, it was actually Tristan's so, grandfather who was also there. Right. All these uh, Egyptologist grandfathers know each other. I mean, we're at that point in the show where that would not surprise me. No. You know, that that would just be its own sort of C plot. Uh, but so Professor Hawkins tells uh, Rebecca that he also sent monsters to the graveyard to make Shadow Ghoul more powerful because mm-hmm. that's how the deck works. But he honored each card in the process. In their own way. In their own way. He said he never failed to honor those monsters for their sacrifice. But, like, how do you do that? Yeah, that's what I want to... Like, is he... You have a sacrifice deck to make this creature more powerful. Are you going to have, like, a little funeral every time? That's how he wins with this deck. He just keeps having funerals for his cards whenever he sacrifices (laughs) them until everyone is sick of his shit and doesn't want to play card games with him anymore. A single duel takes four days. Uh... Or, or is it like a like is it a Marie Kondo sort of thing, you know, where he has to sort of hold the card in a certain way and see whether it sparks joy and thank the card for its service and, you know, sort of stack the discard pile in a particular way, like it's like when you're out that kind of hunting and then you like you shoot a deer and then you like thank the deer for its sacrifice so you can you can live. Or whatever. Oh, you're saying you're saying he uses every part of the duel monster. He uses every part of the duel monster. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I genuinely don't understand how. This when you're out hunting Exodia, 
you need to <laughs> right a wild blue eyes <laughs> when you're out in the woods and suddenly this like ancient egyptian god is like walking down and taking a sip from a stream and you crack it right between the eyes with your pistol <laughs> You have to respect the Exodia for its sacrifice. I'm just picturing like the arcade version of Big Game Hunter now, but it's like Slifer the Sky Dragon. And, it's drinking uh, water uh, out of all three of its mouths, <laughs> just gulping it down in the river. It's Celtic Guardian kneeling by a lake. But it doesn't fucking shoot him in the head. Ten points. Oh my god! Uh, Honor I mean, the I'd, monsters I'd for that. their sacrifice. Yeah, so like I, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out how what Professor Hawkins did is mechanically any different from what Rebecca did. There, there is no like, difference. Is, and also, also, how are you trying to fault this child for not realizing that these playing cards have eternal souls? <laughs> like. She's still trying to grasp object permanence at this point. Like, yeah. Oh, by the way, your three of kid. hearts over there uh, is an actual ancient monster that is fighting for you in another dimension. Respect it. And, and only the three of hearts over there, right? Like, you, you, you can say, okay, these playing cards all have individual personalities and, like, need to be honored and respected and are, like, sentient beings. Uh, and then the kid's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I get that, I get that, I get that. Uh, but so like this cup, does this cup have an immortal being, an immortal soul? No, 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 no. You don't, you don't get this at all, kid. No, no, no. Cups. Wait, it's a cup. Come on. <laughs> cups don't have souls. What are you trying to say? Everything has a soul. No, 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 no. Uh, you, you got, you got your humans, you got your playing cards and you got your, uh, your priceless, uh, Egyptian artifacts. Those are the three things with souls. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everything else. No, no, no. Fuck that. Like. She's eight. Yeah. <laughs> How are you mad at this child? <laughs> well, she is an obnoxious little shit. But other than that... I mean, that's just bad parenting at that point. Bad grandfathering. Well, and like... I mean, we said this in the last episode, too, but how how much of an absentee parent do you have to be to let your fucking eight-year-old child fly from America to Japan to challenge... Challenge one old man. Right. For a playing card, and then like, how do you get to that point in your relationship with your kid that that's what's happening? Like, yeah, okay, another card game tournament, honey. Okay, bye. Yeah, all right. See Here's ya. twenty dollars. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, that should cover it. It was the nineties. Where did Arthur oh, come no, from? It wasn't the nineties anymore. What's that? Where did Arthur come from? How did he get here? That's what I want to know. I. Part of me thinks now maybe he was just like there anyway. Like maybe it was like a like a business trip question mark. Maybe he was gonna come see grandpa. Maybe he also lives in Japan. Maybe he was gonna come maybe he heard about grandpa in a coma. Maybe they're Facebook friends. And rushed and to see all, him one last yeah, time he's before all, he he's passes. All up on up on Twitter and he geotags the hospital and he's like, finally out of my coma. Thanks, Yugi. Hashtag King of Games. Hashtag Dual Monsters. Hashtag Coma. <laughs> hashtag Hashtag Yolo. Uh, hashtag Blessed. I mean, uh, he kind of does says something along those lines at the end of this uh, this episode, which we'll get to in a moment. He does. Yeah, I I think that Grandpa was coming, or that uh, 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 Hawkins was coming to see Grandpa to like check on him. This to, is like make sure that his old friend was okay. This is getting more and more plausible by the minute. 
to to make sure that his former lover was uh doing all right and like still had his soul intact uh among other things uh so yeah but it's it's unclear it's really unclear if he was there anyway that would explain how rebecca got there like that means that she was technically with a guardian for at least some portion of that trip which makes me feel better as a human being uh but <sighs> rebecca apologizes and suddenly do you remember last episode where she had that like personality shift where she became suddenly more serious yeah that happens in reverse here where she is suddenly no longer a little shit <laughs> she she apologizes to yugi for not respecting the heart of the cards and is somehow all of a sudden like a normal human being and at least moderately tolerable for the next few minutes she's somehow a good person yeah and so yugi recognizes this and gives her a a gift something to remember sort of this lesson by this experience by he gives her a dual monsters card called the name of the episode the ties of ties of friendship which, if you'll remember, was his prize for becoming the king of games. The king of all a, games. A special one-of-a-kind hand-painted Pegasus original uh, that was specifically made for the winner of the Duelist Kingdom tournament and has unknown uh, ultra-powerful abilities. That he just gives to this little girl who obnoxiously showed up and insulted Grandpa and demanded... A special card from him. Oh, but we chill now, girl. Get go ahead and take this one of a kind thing. Yeah, in the last. Oh, this, oh, this whole thing. As you can see, she's yeah, become have that. a completely different person in the last fifteen seconds. So she deserves to have this card. And Yugi clearly isn't concerned with winning duels anymore. He's he's done all he needs to. He doesn't need good cards. I mean, he is the fucking king of games. That's true. That's true. Need? Using a deck that is apparently not changed in decades. So maybe he just didn't want to throw off the balance, you know, had to get rid of that card. Didn't want to slide in there on accident. Didn't want to, didn't want to throw off the, the, the shuffle order that he's worked so hard on. Uh, yeah. So he hands it off and, uh, that's basically the end of the episode. Yeah. Arthur oh, but, challenges yeah, yeah, yeah. him to a duel and then. That's right. Challenges, challenges grandpa to a duel. Yeah. And then uh, Grandpa has the best line of the whole episode. I could outduel any of you young Turks, even if I was still in a coma. And then everyone just laughs, and then the camera pans away, and that's it. Wait, what the f- does he say young Turks? Young Turks, yes. That's a direct quote. Is that... I mean... Like that... Like that's a, Is that a phrase? That's a derogatory use of that word, right? That's not like an okay usage. I've not heard it used before in that context. Ah, uh, yeah. The tur- like I'm on Wikipedia under the page Young Turks, which is about okay. a reform movement within the Ottoman Empire, by the way. But the Young Turk, the term Young Turk is now used generally to denote a member of an insurgent group within an organization advocating change, sometimes radical change in that organization. So it's, okay. bas- it's basically the equivalent of calling them you, you little upstarts. Okay, I, I, I must be upstarts. thinking of something else because I, because I hear that and I'm like, oh, should 
should they be offended by that? Is, is that, that a racist a, thing? Is that a racist thing? It's it's really hard to tell. Uh, but uh, okay, like yeah, I'm not seeing anything uh, too offensive here in a Google search, so we'll we'll let it slide for the time being. Uh, but I mean, yeah. So he acknowledges his coma. That's great. Good. I'm glad that he remembers that. I guess it wasn't really a coma, though. No, he was still conscious, apparently. Just his soul, his soul was separate from his physical form. Yeah, his soul was trapped in a car and hundreds of miles away. That's not what comas are. Right. And as we've as we've shown time and time again in this soul in this uh in this uh show, you only need a soul to duel. Bodies are not required. Cards, apparently, aren't even required, according to that duel between uh, Pegasus and Bakura. Yeah. He can send so, his, he can do whatever he wants as a soul, including just wander around uh, Pegasus's castle, apparently. So, I mean, in, in that case, like, he's completely right. He could have beaten them all in a duel, potentially even simultaneously, while he was in a coma, because he would have just uh, fucking astral projected to each of them. <laughs> and defeated them in some shadowed duel. Right, with his mind cards. <laughs> The cards of the mind, right? Because that's a totally fair way of playing a card game, right? Like, oh, let me just uh, let me just imagine that I have this deck full of cards. That seems fair. Mm, I'm imagining that I'm giving myself a deck full of entirely the best cards in the game. Mm. Right. <laughs> all right, it's all blue or, eyes. Or just pull a Pegasus and be like, I'm just going to imagine uh, unique cards <laughs> that no one else has. Designed explicitly for this duel. I astral projected myself over to Pegasus's deck and saw all his super awesome, empower, powerful cards. So I'm going to imagine that I have them now too, since I know what they all do. And I feel like this is maybe why later seasons of Yu-Gi-Oh can never be as ridiculous as this, because past this point, they've started making the actual card game and have to start putting rules on this shit. And we're still at a at a really brilliant point where like it's 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 a very like it's it's the outback steakhouse of of dueling. No rules, just right. <laughs> They're just throwing cards at the wall to see what sticks. Exactly, exactly. And in some cases, they do literally stick, which is really unappealing. This is a game where you can stab the moon. The sky is not the <laughs> limit. You can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, but that does end the episode there. Uh, Jimmy, what was your favorite part of this episode? Uh, my favorite part, um, that's a great question. My favorite part was probably the ancient Egyptian stuff, giving a little bit of backstory to grandpa and how, uh, he got so good at card games and stuff and like why he's so interested in Egyptology. Uh, it's because he discovered that cards are real monsters ah ah real monsters (laughs) uh but that's about it this episode was well i'll leave it for my worst what was your best part of this episode? you didn't like this episode this episode wasn't uh what was your favorite part of this episode that is like one of two episodes you remember in all of Yu-Gi-Oh? i mean i think okay so i think the reason that i remember it was very much just that like it hints in a much larger world if you haven't seen that many episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like 
if you are fairly new to the series, it really hints at this idea of like, oh, there is something ancient and mysterious here, and it's being represented now in a in a card game that like these kids are playing. And it's very much like if you are the kind of kid like I was and still am who is so excited for Saturday morning because that's when your your cartoons come on and you just want to like lose yourself in this fantasy world. That is the kind of setup that you really need to to sort of spark the imagination while creating an entertaining show. Like that was the thing that really stuck with me there. Mm. Watching it back now, my favorite part is shipping the two old guys uh, because there's definitely something going on there. Okay. So that's my favorite. I'll accept it. Uh, what is your worst? My worst part of this episode is that this entire two-part episode didn't have to exist. If they had just seen this girl at the beginning and say, no, you can't have the blue eyes. It's been ripped up by Seto Kaiba. Uh, you can't use it anymore. Also, you're full of shit. Go away. And they didn't. Right. Or even just, or even just have grandpa just tell the story of like, oh, I remember now you're so-and-so's granddaughter, right? Yeah. I dueled him and he gave me this car. Yeah. Here it is. You can see it. I'm not giving it to you because it's useless. And it got ripped up. Sorry. You should ask him about it. Oh, he's here right now. Yeah. Have him tell you. Yeah. Do you want this? Do you know who ripped up this card that you want more than anything in the world? Well, you're standing inside his theme park, so right. go take it up with him. They should have just <laughs> sicked Rebecca on Kaiba. Wouldn't that be a great episode to, to oh, see? That would be an amazing Seto episode. Kaiba lose a duel to this literal child that Yugi sent after him just to piss him off. That would have been so. Wouldn't good. that be so much better? And I think that she could do it too. Is the thing like I think that I think that having the like kind of deck that she has would be really effective against Kaiba's fucking blue eyes offensive. Yeah. Oh, she totally could. She is the American champion. Right. Exactly. That's that's the other thing too. Is like she is hyper competent, but also like it kind of just felt meh compared to other duels we've seen. Yeah. Like it wasn't. Maybe now we're just spoiled with all the magical bullshit happening, but it didn't feel like she was a world-class duelist. No, we weren't able to see any crazy combos besides just sacrificing creatures to make the one creature more powerful. Right. Which is a good way to win a card game. It's just not terribly interesting. It's not up to the same caliber as other duels we've seen. Right. Yeah, that's my worst, is that this whole thing didn't actually need to have happened. They're just padding for time at this point. Yeah, yeah, basically. What was your worst? My worst is that we never got to see the ties of friendship in action, and now we never will. Oh, yeah. This super magical, like, powerful card, one of a kind. You know, arguably the most valuable card in Duel Monsters literally a one-off hand-painted by the person who invented the game who's now probably just going to go into hiding for a long time because his eye has been ripped out by a 12 year old yeah the card that you win for beating the curator of the entire game uh just give it to this little girl yeah like eh, whatever it's fine who cares 
It doesn't right, matter. Exactly. Because winning is not it, important. It's respecting your cards <laughs> that's important. <laughs> and what better way to respect a card that a a a uh, a worthy rival and the inventor of this card game has given to me? What better way to respect that card than to give it to this stranger that I have known for three hours? Yeah, this who has done nothing but insult me for that time. Insults you and then doesn't respect her own cards and just sacrifices them to bring out this creature in a, I guess, disrespectful manner. Well, now she's going to disrespect this special card that you gave her. Right, exactly. And, like, it just... There's no reason that he should have given it to her. No. Like, did they forget? Did the writers genuinely forget? Like, oh yeah, this he's got this card. Like, maybe they have like a show bible or something listing all the cards he has. Oh, this card says friendship in it. That seems nice. Let's just give that to her. Like, did they forget where it came? Like, how? I how in any possible world is that a good idea? I guess it's supposed to show her like becoming a better person and turning over a new leaf and that sort of thing. And give her fucking beaver warrior for that. Give yeah. Her, give her Karibo, you know, give her like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking know, man. Give her, uh, what's that card that Taya has shining friendship. Yeah. But she didn't even like learn a lesson until like the duel was over already. And she had already won and gloated about it. Right. Have, okay. Here's a, here's an alternate sort of solution here if we really want to give this child a a reward for her terrible behavior how about a slap in the mouth (laughs) (laughs) have joey be the one who teaches her the lesson about heart of the cards show that he's grown as a person and have him give her a swamp battle guard oh man if she lost to joey in a duel that would be great or or even not even like like she could still lose to Yugi, but have it be Joey who's like, no, here's the thing that you need to listen to from one uh, New Yorker to another. It's about the heart of the cards and like, here's the lesson that I learned and here's why it was tough for me. And like, here's my experience. And then she realizes, oh, I can like win and be not shitty. And then he goes, yes, exactly. Now here, this is a card that got that like taught me this lesson because that's the card that that like got him to the point where he believed in the heart of the cards. This is a card that Tristan gave to me, and I'm going to give to you, and it's like best buds with this other card, and now we're best buds in life. Yeah, I don't know, right? Like it's vague, but that's exactly what this entire episode was, and the like the lesson it's teaching this obnoxious little girl. And and now with the way that it turned out, pardon me, I'm just so passionate about it. Uh, apparently, <laughs> uh, with the way that it turned out is like the ties of friendship is this like ultimate card, right? It is the grand prize of grand prizes. That is also a a, pl- a card that you can play in a duel. Ostensibly, we, we don't nev- know what it does. We, yeah, we've never heard what it does. Maybe its rules are left blank, and you can just do whatever the hell you want. Right, exactly. It could be a get-out-of-jail-free card. And now, this child is going to go back to America, and we will probably never see this card again. No, and she's going to use it to do all kinds of awful things. And Right, and like, 
how much worse is she going to be now that she has this all-powerful card that she didn't earn? Yeah, in her deck that she's using against just random folks. <sighs> it's just... I just... Y'all... <laughs> it's not a good episode. It's not a good episode. Like, this is not how you raise children. I don't know. I, like, I, I, like, I don't have kids, so I don't know. But, like, I'm pretty sure you don't reward... Like, okay, yeah, she learned her lesson, fine. But, like, you know, if I was being a little shit and then learned the error of my ways, I would be rewarded with not being not grounded being for as long, right? Like, like, oh, okay, yeah, you can leave your room now. Not, like, here's a new car. Yeah, all right, kid, you're, you're not as obnoxious as you were before. Here's $1,000 and a PlayStation 4. Right. Congratulations. You've been not obnoxious for five minutes. Have this. Yeah. Yeah. Literally right. like five minutes. Dollars a, yeah. Like at the and, end and, of the episode, she's only been like penitent for what? Two minutes? At most, at most. Right. Like, and, and, oh, here's the keys to the fucking kingdom. You know, bully for you. Great job. You're the, a, a, a goddess amongst men. Like, how could we ever aspire to be as, as, as great as Rebecca, uh, Becky with the good hair? Like, no, that's not, that's not, this is like, it's, it's, it's defeating your own point. You know what it's like? It's like if, uh, Willy Wonka gave his factory to Veruca Salt because she shut up for like two seconds. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the thing. If the whole plot of, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was just to get Veruca Salt to shut up for two goddamn minutes, and then she finally does it, and he's like, you're the one. Yes. Finally. You did it. Here's everything. Sing, sing an entire song about how you want it now, and then you stop singing, and it's like, okay, I'll give you exactly what you want right now. <laughs> and then everyone's just like, oh, okay, cool. And Yay. like, fucks off. Good for Yay. you, the hero. Yay, over. Wow, right. such character development. We're proud of you. And scene. <laughs> uh, so that was my worst. Uh, Jimmy, we have been talking about this episode for nigh on forever now. I thought for uh, sure we were going to whip through this one, but... I was have... so convinced. I was like, man, I'm so excited to get back into these shorter episodes, and now they just, they just keep getting longer. We have a lot to uh, rant about. We, we do, we do. But for now, let's go ahead and close this thing let's out. Do it. It's time to uh, 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 end the episode. Jimmy, did you want to talk about Shadow Ghoul real quick? Yeah, that's the card I was going to pick too. Shadow Ghoul, it sounds interesting, right? Like, it is a card that gets more powerful the more cards you get rid of. I'm doing a quick search now, and it looks like there are a couple of versions of it, but the big it's one is... It's also Fuck is... Ugly, if you want to describe it. Yeah, how would you describe that? It's sort of like... It looks like... If Cthulhu had claws. I was going to describe it as, like, if you boiled a bunch of, like, asparagus and spinach together, and then it had eyeballs. That's more accurate. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know, like Calvin and Hobbes, he has those, like, f lunch monsters, the, like, indescribable mush lunch that comes to life yeah. it's that with eyes uh i'm trying to find the description of it oh, okay here we go so it's it's a four five star rare uh zombie effect monster it's got 1600 attack 1300 defense to start 
and its description says that you increase the attack of this monster by 100 for each monster in your own graveyard. So yeah, yep. basically, I mean, what it did in the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it was a it was a five star. That's really interesting. I think maybe that's just because it starts off pretty weak, but it's got a pretty powerful power there. Uh, especially if you have, like, spell cards that cause you to discard more cards. Oh, shit, Tyler. I just huh. scrolled down in my image search just a little bit, and this creature looks exactly like a creature we've seen before in the series, uh, which is uh, Wall Shadow. Yes. It's literally yeah, the exact wall, same wall guy. Wall Shadow that uh, uh, the Paradox Brothers played. Yeah, the one that the popped out of the episode. wall to attack Yugi's monsters. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder if all shadows in this game are related. They're cousins. They're... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, their family reunions must be a hoot. Uh, Uncle Shadow's gonna gonna barbecue up some, some shadow burgers, and then, uh, then Auntie Shadow's gonna play the shadow piano. Uh... Yeah, no, it, it it does actually. It looks like basically the same monster just popping out of a yeah, wall. Yeah, it's literally the same creature. It's got the same like mouth. It's the same color. It's got the same claws and eyeballs and stuff. It's uh, <laughs> weaker though, or is it? Yeah, uh, no, it's the uh, exact same uh, attack oh, and really? defense. Sixteen hundred and three thousand. Oh, shadow ghoul wall or shadow wall shadow is... is more stars, right? Yeah, Wall Shadow actually has 3,000 defense. Ah, okay. Because it's a wall. Because it's a wall. <laughs> you ever Makes punch sense. a wall? Uh, I have, actually. It's not fun. Don't do it. It's not good. Don't do it. Uh, all right. Card of the week. Uh, our card of the week, generated by my list of every possible Yu-Gi-Oh card, is Asleep at the Switch. Uh-oh. Asleep of the Switch is a spell card, and it says, when your opponent gains life points, target one monster your opponent controls and destroy that target. The hell? Asleep of the Switch, the picture for Asleep of the Switch is This is not fantastic. at all what I pictured when you think it's of Asleep so of much. the Switch. There's so much going on here. Uh, and I don't know where... Do you want to start at the background or the foreground of this picture i think we need to start at the background to give it some context right so the background depicts like a like a department store scene like a small store with like clothing and it's like a, pots like a used like a used goods store because it's all kinds yeah. of stuff and bric-a-brac on the shelves there's there's that are a, all labeled. There's a jar of greed and a pot of benevolence uh, on the right-hand side there, which I think is a fun call-out to, like, other actual Dome Monsters cards. And then there's a figure sort of sneaking the into the store. What the fuck is going on on this card? It's, it's so... So this... It's this person who's clearly, like, trying to sneak into the store, and they look like Harley Quinn meets the Hamburglar. <laughs> Yeah, it's like this jester peasant dude with, like, a jester hat with the little pom-poms on it. Yeah, and they're holding, like, a like a wooden mallet. Mm, and surrounded by bugs. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. So there's these, like, weird giant red ants behind them. Or not like, ants, but, like, beetles. Yeah, like big cockroaches or something. So I guess... 
it's like a Pied Piper scenario. Maybe. But it's un, it's unclear. But then, so the asleep at the switch portion has to do with the person in the foreground who is ostensibly a guard of some kind, like guarding the store or minding the store. Yeah. This character appears in other cards, and I don't know what the backstory of the character is. I have no idea is. what the hell the backstory is, but they're in. this dude is in a lot of cards. Yeah, and so the the person we're trying to describe here is uh an older gentleman sort of a sort of a santa claus looking character right like he's this older guy white beard big old white mustache and he's sitting there facing away from the the figure we described previously uh and he's wearing he's like one third dressed as a king and two thirds yeah. dressed as uh, a retired man sitting at home on his uh, barca lounger. Right. Like he's wearing like a white tank top, brown like gym shorts, mm-hmm. uh, and a king's crown, a king's cape, and then these big like boots with, boots uh, with the like fur. pink. Yeah, like pink fur coming up out of them. There's like a pink fur lining on the cape as well. Uh, and he's just like sipping a cup of tea, not not paying attention to what's going on behind him. Uh, now, this character does appear in several other cards, like Tyrant's Tirade, in which the same sort of kingly character is telling off a soldier. Uh, so I, I'm assuming that this is like some sort of a royalty figure. There's also a, a card called Turnabout, where soldiers are chasing... Oh, interesting. Okay, so Turnabout might fill in the story here. Turnabout is soldiers chasing this character out of some place, and in the background of this card, we see a very stately-looking king wearing better versions or a better version of the same costume. Like actual, like he's wearing clothes. actual king clothes and like has a more majestic beard. So it could be, and somebody I'm sure can correct us if we're wrong. It could be that this is a imposter king masquerading as the person in charge. Yeah, it looks like some guy dressed as the king trying to pull some sort of scam to make people think he's the king. Because in all these other yeah, this is like, cards he's in... This is in, like every D&D character I try to play. <laughs> yeah, so in this one he's getting kicked out of the castle uh, upset. Uh, he's in Tyrant's Throws, uh, where... He's, like, running through the streets crying and just, like, punching guards left and right. Uh, he's in Tyrant's Tummy Ache, which is this guy just, like, at a royal table just with, like, a vast feast and just consuming all the food. So is so are, is this character called the Tyrant? Is that just going to be the, the name? I guess, then? because... Also, also, it looks like the Japanese version of this card. I think the English version of this card is censored because the Japanese versions of the card, he's just not wearing a shirt. <laughs> just tum out. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what the story behind this guy is, but apparently it's like this this epic tale being told over the art on various cards. There's Tyrant's Temper I mean, where he is like berating some knight who is kneeling in front of him. The Emperor's Holiday, where he's just walking through the streets waving at people. 
God, I need to find out the story behind this dude. Okay, I'm 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 doing a search here. Oh, this is just gonna be just the longest episode. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. So if you look up on the Yu-Gi-Oh uh fan wiki, Royal is a series of trap cards that deal with negating or restricting the use of specific groups of cards. The series covers a large range of effects and is largely tied together by their artwork, which form a narrative. Several several other cards that are not a part of the series and have dissimilar effects to the cards in the series, such as the Huge Revolution series and the Rock Bar- Bar- Bombardment series, also depicts uh, parts of the same storyline. So the storyline is that these cards all depict an emperor and his castle or revolutionaries trying to overthrow the emperor it's worth noting that the emperor is called tyrant on later trap cards implying that he probably started to behave as such that would explain his later actions and the need for revolution so uh some of these cards are references to ah the emperor's new clothes ah so that's why he's not wearing a shirt well in the japanese version anyway I guess right. uh, this shirtless, fat old man is just too risque for American audiences. Yeah, so it looks like these cards start off with, oh, we're going to show like a regal king getting slow, slowly more and more tyrannical until the point where he's just like going around shirtless and yelling at people. <laughs> and then the soldiers kick him out and put a new king in his place. Man, I wonder what the uh, proper order of these cards is. I want that show, right? Like, I want I want to know more about this guy. <laughs> anyway, what is the actual effect of a sleep at the switch? Uh, oh, I just closed it, but it's, it's when your uh, oh, opponent gains life points. You can then target one of their monsters and destroy it. That's kind of useful. So it's actually, it's actually pretty powerful. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it has to do with the artwork. It seems completely un- unrelated, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what does Yu-Gi-Oh artwork have to do with anything, anyway? Yeah, I love this series of cards. It's just completely out of left field. It's maybe my favorite so far. Like, I would, I would play a deck entirely based around around this, this fat imposter king. Yeah, just, just to be able to like see the storyline play out in varying forms as you play through the cards. Oh, there's one called Double Payback, where he's being, like, dragged before the populace, who is just this angry mob, uh, like, shaking their fists at him. <laughs> Man. Anyway. All right. Let's let's end this thing. We've got to end this episode eventually. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you've made it this far, you are the true uh, tyrant here. Uh, no, we're the tyrants, let's be honest. Truly, uh, it's if the you audience contact that deserves uh, ties of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> you you are the true kings and, 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 and queens and, and otherwise royalty of games. Uh, I was going to try and come up with some way to for us to give them ties of friendship and it's just not coming to me uh if you want to get in touch with us you can reach us uh, on twitter and instagram at yampod that's y-a-m-p-o-d you can email us at you activated my podcast at gmail.com please honestly email us uh what you think we should do next season if you have 
questions you want answered, if you have comments that you want referenced. Uh, I got one, there was one message that I got on Instagram that somebody is going to try making a cover of that one song that Pegasus sings, uh, or, uh, the, the other friendship song that plays during the Joey Yugi friendship flashback. Um, that doesn't make sense to me, but, uh, like that sort of shit, like email it to us. That way I know that I'll see it. Uh, you can visit our website. It's heart of the dot cards. Uh, did I say our email? You activated my podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Jimmy, your other podcast is, is coming to a close soon, at least for season one. Is that right? Reaching the end of season one on dungeons against humanity. It's so close. We just crashed a pirate ship into a floating island in the sky. Uh, uh, we're running around and hiding from guards and all kinds of good shit. So if you like D&D, uh, give it a listen. It's going to get good. Do it. Dungeons Against Humanity. Yeah, catch up now. It's, uh, I think, 14 episodes out so far. So there's still, like, you can that. definitely catch up if you are if you haven't listened yet. Uh, yeah. All right. I think that, that does it for this week. Let's close this shit. Until next time. Mr. Moto, Yugi's getting creamed. <laughs>